remind you, gentlemen, at the end of the service, we have the opportunity, a final opportunity, to bless the Slintz family with our giving and thanking Pastor David for these, for these weeks of steadfastness and feeding us the Word. Hallelujah. Bless God. So without any further ado, uh, Pastor David Slintz. We're going to start off with a little song that um, I wrote a couple days ago. Uh, in a time in my life where I was just, you know, trusting in God to lead me and show me where he wants me to go. This song just talks about, you know, just following God. And even though sometimes it might not be in your comfort zone, and even though sometimes it's not what you want to do, as long as it's God's will, it's the best. This is a little song, and I hope it blesses you guys today. Take my hands, take my feet, I will go where you lead. Take my dreams and my hopes, Lord, my life is yours. I will follow you, I will follow you. Takes me out of my comfort zone. I'm going, I'm willing, I'll follow you. I carry my cross, leave the world far behind. Cause I'm going, I'm willing, I will follow you. I will follow you, I will follow you, I will follow you, I will follow you. I will follow you, I will follow you, I will follow you, I will follow you. Let each breath that I breathe bring you praise, my King. May the beat of my heart be a love song to you I will follow 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 you in the end it will be worth it all Cause I will be with you, Jesus In the end it will be worth it all Cause I will be with you, Jesus I'm following you, following you Till I'm with you I'm following you, following you, 
if we can turn in our Bibles to Hosea chapter 6, along with the theme of that song, I'll follow you. Hosea 6 and verse 3, the prophet says something interesting, and it's a challenge for us. A challenge for us today. Do we have it there? Hosea 6 and verse 3. See if I can find it before they can. I got it. <laughs> All right, verse 3. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. Let's read that together, shall we? Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. This is the, one of the thoughts the Lord has been putting on our, my heart is, is that there's a journey that we're on. It has a beginning and it has an end. And the Lord, just like the Lord told his disciples when he told them to get into the boat to cross over to the other side, he meant it. And we can make it to the other side. But there's this following on part that we need to get a hold of. Let's pray this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for getting a hold of our hearts. Lord, you have birthed in us a life that desires more. And I thank you, Father, for instructing us through your word, inspiring us through your word today, Lord, to help us to carry on, to follow on, because there's so much more to know. We want what the prophet's talking about. Then shall we know. We want to know more. We want to know him who first knew us. We want to know you, Lord. We want to count all else as dung, as, as just garbage, nothing uh, at all of any value except knowing you, Lord. So we want to follow on today, Lord. Thank you for blessing us in our, in our word today, Lord, and your presence in this place in Jesus' name. Amen. If you can just put the PowerPoint up, I want to just, uh, while they're getting the PowerPoint up there, is it working? All right, good. I like this teamwork. That's kind of neat. We just kind of talk back and forth. And <laughs> All right. But the, just the idea here of this map is, is the journey uh, that Israel had out of Egypt. This is the, this is the whole purpose we see in the Old Testament. God finding a covenant people that he can work with. God bringing them out of bondage. He allowed them to go down to Egypt. What an interesting story. The whole story of Joseph and how uh, God allowed evil things. Even Joseph said, you meant it for evil. It was something really bad that you were thinking and planning against me. But God meant it for good because he had to bring us down here. Interesting. And God had told Abraham, even years before, that they were going to have this land. It was going to be the promised land for them. But before they could get there, they were going to be in bondage for a number of years. So the, uh, oh, we got a, a miracle I got to tell you about. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> oh, I can't forget this, though. We were coming here today. I want to show you a tree. Anybody see that tree on Sling Left coming today? All right. <laughs> See the Excuse me. I usually don't cry when I see trees, but uh, this one, you see the next slide, the next one, and the next one. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not burdened about trees dying. <laughs> That's not what it is. I'm just trying to get to my point here, the miracle. All right. Um, 
when we were coming down Slingleth, as we were driving, all of a sudden I heard a kind of a cracking sound, and a bunch of water fell on the roof of our car. I thought, it sounded kind of like lightning and rain. I said, how can that be? It looked like fairly clear skies this morning. What's going on? And I looked behind me, and that's what I saw. It's a pretty big tree. You know? I guess the real miracle is why it didn't fall on us. You know, you think sometimes, how many things can happen to us? Um, we were visiting um, Don Frucci in a hospital yesterday, and he was telling us a story of how there was just some near-death experiences that he had even growing up. How many times God visits us and protects us? Had we not looked back, I actually came here, I thought, i got to go back and take a picture of that tree. <laughs> had we not looked back, we wouldn't have even known anything had happened. And when we get to heaven, how many know we're going to be happy? We're going to be re- we'll have all of eternity to <clears throat> rejoice that, that we're alive. It's a miracle we're alive. And sometimes you wonder, well, why me, Lord? God has purposes for us. He's not done with us yet. He likes his steaks well done, and I want to hear him say well done when I get there. <laughs> and that's what I kind of want to share today is, is that God has us on this journey. And he needs to birth something in our hearts. There, is, there was a problem, and, and I, I want to, to give you, a, let's go to John chapter 3, if you will, um, This is verses that we know real well, but I'd like to present a challenge to you today. Maybe see some verses you hadn't quite seen the same way before. And before I read here in John 3, verse 3, before I read it, I want you to understand that that when Jesus speaks about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, there is an eternal aspect of God's kingdom. And that's the goal is to reach that. But there is a kingdom God wants us to step in now. In stepping into that experience, that kingdom life experience now, is what prepares us for that place. And the whole concept of somehow getting out of Egypt through the wilderness and all the preparation. We mentioned about the three things, the Passover, crossing the Red Sea, Mount Sinai, <coughs> the whole concept here was to get into Canaan. They had to pass through the wilderness, but they weren't supposed to stay there. God's plan was to bring them into this land. Deuteronomy 6.23, he brought us out that he might take us in. And so getting here speaks about this entering in of God's kingdom. It speaks about entering, stepping into a kingdom style life. In a kingdom-style life, there's only one king. And what's his name? Jesus. And to get here, there has to be preparation. The moment you're saved, you just don't step into kingdom life. Something has to happen inside. It only took God a, a brief moment to take him out of Egypt, but it took a long time to get Egypt out of the Israelites. God wants to work in us. And and what takes place here in Canaan, the whole picture we see here, there are seven nations that need to be destroyed, annihilated. There's a warfare that takes place. 
The Israelites didn't like the prospect of war. They didn't like the idea of having, they, they had gotten comfortable. They had gotten uh, in a place of ease. They had come to, they were slaves and they had anguish, but this seemed to them more of a comfort zone. How many know what a comfort zone is? This was a 400 year comfort zone. None of us have that much of a comfort zone. For them, 400 years of comfort zone being settled, established. I'm a slave. My grandparents were slaves. My great-grandparents were slaves. We were born that way. That's the way I am. That's the way I always be. We get comfortable here. We don't realize there's more. When you read in Exodus, you see that when Moses began to speak to them about coming out of Egypt, they they began to get angry at Moses. They said, Moses, you know, the Lord judged you for getting us into all this mess because the moment he began to speak to them about getting out of Egypt... Pharaoh began to take away the straw and make them, made, made their work even harder. And they, they, they were, they said we would, would rather be here than all this other stuff we have to go through. Now, we can have our sins forgiven, but yet there's a journey we've got to go on. There is so much more that God wants to do in our lives. And I want to show you here in John 3, and again, uh, referring to the idea of kingdom, when you begin to see the word kingdom, and it's mentioned so many times in the New Testament, when Jesus preached, he didn't go about preaching the gospel of salvation or the gospel of forgiveness of sins. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. Oh, that's different. You see, that's not somehow, you know, oh, please, would you just accept Jesus? And, you know, he's, he's outside cold and shivering, knocking at your door. He wants to come in. Won't you please let him come in? You know, kind of begging people to please let Jesus come in their heart. It, it's, it's almost been reduced like that. Where what the gospel is to many people is what can I get for me? You see, and that's why the focus is on forgiveness. And that's an important step. Without it, it's eternity in hell. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the blood that washes our sins away. Thank God that we, our names are written in a book of life the moment we believe in Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Thank God for that experience. But he doesn't want us to stay here. He wants to take us on. And when Jesus spoke about the kingdom, the kind of things he said about the kingdom don't fit with the idea of a general playground kind of a heaven. He said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom, but he that does the will of my father. Ooh, that means we actually have to do God's will? You mean we still can't just make it like the thief on the cross? And Well, we're not talking about just sliding into heaven. We're talking about being part of the kingdom part of the kingdom. How about you? Do you want to go there with me? You see, God is going to have a people in that city. God is going to have a group there called the bride. God is going to have a people that are called overcomers. It might as well be you and me. Might as well be you and me. Why sit back and watch others? Uh, You know, you know, I, I thank God that my dad did not like to watch football. Now, I love playing. I played football in high school. I love it. I love the game. But I just can't sit down and watch it. Now, I don't want anybody to feel bad. Maybe, you, maybe you've just written me off your list already. <laughs> you know? But, you know, I, I just never stuck in my head. I didn't, I didn't grow up with that in the house, and I never thought about it much. I would go play with a, a cousin friend of mine, and he, all he thought about was this. He knew all the names. He knew all the, uh, the, the, the teams. He knew all the... Everything. And, and he would talk about it, and it would just all be Greek to me. I couldn't figure it all out. Now, I love to play. He was from Dover, and I was, from New- I was on the Quaker team. 
So we played together. We're on the same, we are on the same, uh, team. We, uh, uh, he played in Dover. I played in, and so we had our times playing, but I, I enjoy the game. Uh, and, and I know football is an important part of society here in this city, isn't it? I've been away from New Philly too long, Dover too long. But, uh, you know, the fact is, as Christians, we can get real happy being spectators, watching the game. I mean, you get so, you know, when you, how many, how many of you really enjoy watching, watching football on TV? That's what, don't be afraid to raise your hand. That's a good thing. I mean, just say, you know, I like, I like other things, you know, that's okay. But the fact is, I like to sit down and study computer things, you know, so that's just me. I'm weird. But the fact is, is that, the fact is, is that when you're, when you're uh, there in that game, if you're really into it, I mean, really into it, it's, you almost feel like you're there playing. You, you kind of want to make the movements yourself. Is, am I right or not? Yeah. And, and somehow in church, we kind of get like, yeah, we're kind of like making the moves. And after we've left church, we feel like, yeah, I was in the game. But was I really in the game? Or was I just watching the players? Oh, I don't want to be a spectator. You know, John the Baptist made an interesting statement. He said, well, they thought maybe he was the Christ. He thought, they thought that John was the Messiah. He says, no, 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 no. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoelace. And he, but he said, I, I'm, uh, he that has the bride is the bridegroom. Well, who's the bridegroom? Jesus. He's going to have a bride. John the Baptist said, he that has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom stands by and hears the bridegroom's voice and rejoices to hear it. This, he, John said, that's my joy. My joy is full. It's okay to be at a wedding and be the friend of the bridegroom, best man, maid of honor. But isn't it far more exciting to be married? <laughs> Maybe not after 20 years, you're thinking different. So that's all over with, you know. I don't know. I still look back at our wedding pictures and I get goosebumps all over me. I say, oh, that's a wonder. I still feel those joys of, of marriage. It's a wonderful thing to get married. I want to get married. I don't want to be the friend. John the Baptist says his joy was full. He lived in a certain dispensation. He lived in a certain experience. He lived up to a certain relationship. And he said, my joy is full. That's, that's all I need and I'm happy. But there's another group their joy is not full unless they want to be the bride. There's going to be a bride. Do you want to be a part of it? Someone told me this way, and I've always liked this. It was an old, old, old pastor. He was in his last years, and he said, he's, I asked him a question. I said, you know, what's it going to be like in heaven? Some people have done more. Some people will get rewards. And, and what's it going to be like? I mean, the Old Testament saints, they didn't have all the stuff that's all that God has offered for us in the New Testament, the fullness of times. How are they going to feel? I was just asking him questions about how it's going to be in heaven with people at different levels. He goes, in heaven, every cup is going to be full. It's just that some cups are bigger than others. Think about that. How hungry, how thirsty are you for the things of God? John chapter 3, verse 3, verse that we all know well, says this. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And everybody says, <laughs> that's a verse we should know, right? But look at verse 5 now. See if you see something a little different here in verse 5. And I want to throw something out at you as a, as a challenge today. 
Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Do you see a difference there? Sometimes we just kind of blur everything all together and give it the same meaning. But I like to present to you today, and I like to throw something out at you today, that there is a difference between seeing and entering. There's a difference. It's an amazing thing when you're born again. You can see something you didn't see before. Can you say amen to that? The moment you're born again, like a, the man said in John 9, he says, once I was blind. One thing I know, once I was blind, but now I can see. He had joy that his eyes were open. But it's another thing to enter. And the challenge I have for you today is, are we thirsty? Can, can we awaken up? Can we stir up? a thirst and a hunger inside of us that we haven't had before. Look with me in Psalms 61, verses, verse 1. Actually, Psalm, Psalm 42. We'll look at there first. And, and look at the psalmist, the way he speaks. How big is our cup? Is it possible? You know what David said in Psalms? Oh, I love this. In Psalms 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalms 119, King David said, Lord, enlarge my heart that I may run the way of your commandments. That God would enlarge our hearts. Do you think he can do that? Psalm 42, look at the way David speaks. And you know, sometimes... it's, we, we can get so satisfied. I mean, you, we know where we came from. We know the, the kind of bondage that we were in before. And it, what a relief to know that, that we've been delivered from that, that our names are in the book of heaven. But yet there's more. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. Look at the way the psalmist speaks here in verse 1. Psalm 42, verse 1. As the heart, or as the deer, panteth after the water brooks, <clears throat> so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. He made it clear the God he was hungry for was a living God. When shall I come and appear before my God? You know, how many understand that just because we have an anointed song leader that leads us into, or that, that, that leads us in songs and worship. How many of you know that doesn't automatically bring you into the presence of God? <laughs> you can stand there and listen to those songs and think, well, what a wonder, wonderful music and what wonderful songs. Or you could criticize too. Kind of evidence that we're not in his presence when that happens. But you can be, go, be going through the whole song service and still not enter. You can see, you can hear but not enter. I mean, I've led worship. I've seen people entering into worship, and I'm thinking, Lord, I'm still outside. I haven't come in yet. Lord, get me in here. And I like the way David speaks in Psalms. He says, Lord, with my whole heart will I praise thee. (laughs) Oh, I like the way David talks to God. He has a conversation with God that, that doesn't sound like your normal evangelical way of talking to God. You know what he says to God? He says, God, why are you sleeping? Wake up, Lord. Anybody ever pray like that before? You may feel, what was he doing? Did David, David is the one that said he never sleeps or slumbers. Was he confused? 
node. It wasn't that David realized, uh, you know, something inside here is sleeping. Lord, stir it all up. Wake me up, Lord. Stir up that hunger inside of me. Lord, I, I want it from you, Lord. David prayed like that, and he spoke to God like that. He says, I'm, I'm thirsting like, like a deer is panting for water. That's how I am for my God. Now, if, if you have a favorite food, and I start describing that food to you right now, something's going to happen inside your mouth, isn't it? Isn't that right? Yeah. You're going to, you know, you're going to, and something's going to happen, starts going to happen down here. And then you're going to look at the watch and say, okay, you know, because you have the, you, you have an idea of what that food is. You've had a little taste of it before. You want some more. But if I'm standing up here talking about, uh, arroz con pollo, you're all going to look at me and say, well, you know, aren't you hungry for arroz con pollo? And you're going to say, Nothing happens in your mouth. Nothing happens down here. Because, yeah, there you go. Rice and chicken, right? Tesnos. Rice and chicken in Spanish, right? But the thing is, is if we don't know, how can we be hungry? God has to open our eyes. We have to see first. We have to see. In Psalm 63, look at the way David speaks here. He makes a distinct difference between seeing and experiencing. This is the way David talks. Psalm 63 and, you know, if you just take, take time with Psalms and, and make, make Psalms your prayer before. It's, it's, it's the biggest book in the Bible. There must be a meaning for that, right? When, you're, when your parents, you know, had to repeat themselves to get you to do something, it was because it was important. God speaks so much to us right in the center of your Bible. Important book. Make it your prayer book. Let God change our language. Psalm 63, David says this. In fact, look at, look at where David's at when he's, I don't think it shows it on the, uh, it won't show it up there, but if you look in your Bibles, there's a little title that's part of scripture. It wasn't something that the editors of the Bible wrote, put in there. This is part of what, uh, David wrote. It's not put with a verse, but it's, it's just as much as the word of God here. Psalm 63, it says a Psalm of David. Can you see that in your Bibles? Okay. A Psalm of David when he was where? Judah means praise. You can be right in the middle of a praise service and still be in a wilderness. He was out there in a desert place. Wilderness doesn't mean, you know, like we think of a wilderness. It actually means desert. He was out there in the desert of Judah. Of course, this is the time when he was running from Saul and, and his life was in, was in, in, was dangling before him. And, and in that time, he took that experience, and I'm sure he was having physical thirst. He took that very experience of physical thirst, and he applied it to a spiritual life, turned it toward God, and this is what he said. Let's read it together. Can you read it with me? Oh, God, thou art my God. Oh, I like that. Can you say that again with me? Oh, God, thou art my God. Now, not just the God I heard about in church. You're my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Look at verse 2. I need some water, talking about water. Read this with me. This is the, the point I want to show you. 
to see thy power in thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Let me explain. This is how the Lord showed this to me. David had experiences in the presence of God when he was worshiping, when he was taking time in prayer, when he was in the sanctuary with God. He had experiences, and he was able to see things spiritually during those experiences. He was able to see things that God wanted to do in those experiences, in the sanctuary. But he said, God, I just don't want to see it there. I want to see your power in reality. I don't just want to hear about it. Lord, I want it in my life. This is the way David spoke. This is what he talked about. Turn with me quickly to Psalm, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 12. <clears throat> Mark chapter 12 and verse, <clears throat> verse 28. You know, there were different kinds of people during the days of Jesus when he came to the earth. Um, there were your Pharisees, there were the Sadducees, and there was a group of people called the scribes. Basically, the scribes were your spiritual copy machines. They, they literally were the ones, they didn't have printing presses back then. They were the ones that, 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 that rewrote, that wrote out the scriptures that they were called scribes. That's what they, that was their job. That was their employment. They knew, if anyone knew the scriptures, they had to know it. They, when they were copying, if they even made one mistake, it had to start all over again. Very, very sacred job and very important job because the word of God has been preserved for us. There's a lot just to that story. But these ones were the ones that knew, if anyone knew the word of God backwards and forwards, they were the, they were the Bible answer man of their days. They knew it, okay? Mark chapter 12. And here's an interesting thing, you know, and I've kind of always, and probably to my own shame, I've seen myself many times as just a scribe. I love to study. I love to take notes. I take notes in every, that's just the way I am. I'm, I just, I need to write things down while I'm listening and it just kind of gets inside of me. So I kind of see myself as a scribe, but the thing that's always been a challenge to me is, okay, I've got it written down. I've got it all categorized. I have my, all the notes down in my computer. I've transcribed them over there. I've no, all, I, I have all this stuff here and it's up here, but Lord, I want it down here. I don't want to just know it. I want to experience it. I don't want to just be a talker of it. I want to be an experience, uh, an experience uh, with each one of these things that I see in God's word. I want the experience of it. I don't want it to be a spectator sport for me. And here we see a scribe. And this is very interesting. And this scribe was probably very sincere when he came to Christ. And he said, it says, and one of the scribes, came, and having heard, heard them reasoning together, he perceived that he had answered them well, that Jesus had answered them well. So the scribe asked Jesus a question. He said, what is the first commandment of all? So here's the scribe asking Jesus a question. Okay, the next verse, verse 29. Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. How many can say amen to that? Okay, verse 30. Let's read this part together. This is what Jesus is telling the scribe. Remember, the scribe asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? And now Jesus is answering. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Okay. And he talks about the second one, love your neighbor. Go on down to verse 32. After hearing this answer, look at the way the scribe talks to Jesus. Jesus. 
<laughs> you almost have to laugh, you know. What the scribe is doing up in heaven, if he's actually, if he actually made it to heaven somehow, you know, how he thinks about what he answered Jesus here. In verse 32, it says, And the scribe said unto Jesus, Well, master, thou hast said the truth. In other words, that was a very good answer. You answered correctly, Jesus. Imagine how he's going to feel when he meets Jesus face to face one day. He was giving Jesus a quiz to see how he, and Jesus is the word of God. <laughs> Think about that. Anyway, he says, thou, you know, thou hast answered well. And, and he goes on and he, and he adds some more. Did you ever meet somebody that always has to, you know, you tell them your experience and they have two of those experiences. Did you ever meet somebody like that? You know, you tell them what you just went through. Oh yeah, I went through that three times, you know. Some people are just like that, you know. So this scribe has to add a little bit more. He says, well, yeah, now let me tell you a little bit more, Jesus. Verse 32. And the scribe said unto him, well, master, thou hast said the truth. There is one God and there is none other but he. Verse 33. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So here he's adding even to what Jesus had to say. Imagine that. And I want to point out what Jesus says here. In verse 34, and when Jesus saw that the scribe had answered wisely, discreetly, he said unto him, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any questions. Now, you can look at that and say, wow, what a wonderful thing. He was so close. It's one thing to see it. It's another thing to be in it. Knowing it is not the same as experiencing. And it's so easy. Sometimes we get kind of inoculized. We get immunization shots in church. And we think we just get a little bit of the disease of Christianity, the wonderful thing of Christianity. A little bit gets in our system. And we feel like we've got the whole thing. And we're missing. We need to let the Lord knock all that out of us. Lord, whatever you got to do, knock that stuff out. All that scribe stuff, Lord, knock it out. I want the real thing, Lord. I want the real experience. You know, thirst is a wonderful thing. I want to show uh, one more verse here and, and leave you with these thoughts here. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 8, the Lord, it, this was really training ground but not training ground to get to heaven someday. This is not training. This is preparation to get here. And what happens here determines eternity as well. And what happened with the Israelites is everything that happened here, except for the 40 years, the 40 years were just basically knocked off the, the chart. They, 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 those people all died there. That was not God's will. But the time they were here, God was giving them training experiences. They were only supposed to be here a little over about a year or so with what God had planned for them. But they missed the opportunity to enter. Um, But what God was showing them here, and one of the things he gave them was manna. And what an amazing thing manna was. And I don't want to teach on manna. It's something you can look at on your own. Deuteronomy 8 talks about it. Numbers 11. You can see it in Exodus as well. That the manna that came down, it was there every morning. And, and if you didn't get up early in the morning to get it, it was gone. Here's an amazing thing. If you got too much of it, you could eat it all. If you got too little, it still satisfied you. An interesting thing about manna. But Here's what God says he was trying to do. Deuteronomy 8, um, verse uh, 2. 
starting with verse 2. It says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years. Again, it wasn't supposed to be 40, but for the time of the wilderness, and what did he do? He, to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or not. Verse 3, look at this. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. What was God trying to teach the Israelites? That they needed to trust him on a daily basis. They could not store up the manna from one day to the next. They had to get it each day. God has made us even physically to be dependent people. We, we can't, you can't eat enough today. Now, I'm sure with all you can eat pancake breakfast, you could have had a lot of food, but it still wouldn't be enough for the next 40, 50 days. You see, it doesn't work like God never made us to store up. He didn't create our bodies like that. Think about the water. Just, just enough water. You, you can only go for a few days without water. I went on a little water. I went on a uh, kind of a water kind of a diet where you were supposed to drink like two liters of water first thing in the morning. I, I never had problem drinking water, but when I did that, I kind of lost my taste for water. I didn't want to see water, you know. But it was some kind of a kind of cleansing thing, and I'm sure it did something. I just don't want to do it again. But, you know... But God has, God has made us to be dependent for the basic things of life. What a humbling thing. We try to be so sufficient. And in that, we miss the Lord. He, he gave them the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. Not the tree of knowledge. The tree of life experience. Right there in the garden, teaching us the difference. And so what it says here, this manna, and go look at one more verse as well. In verse... Um, Verse 16, Deuteronomy 8, verse 16. Uh, he goes on saying, Who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do thee good in thy latter end. Never be afraid of the humbling circumstances God puts us in. If you've allowed him to put you there and you don't fight against it, but you let him feed you by, by the hand each day, in the end, there's a good thing for you. How hungry are you? Let me just show you a few slides real quick. And I want you just to consider this. Again, there's a difference between seeing and entering. You can see all the promised land. It's a great thing. But it's another thing to enter in. Enter into it. In the PowerPoint, um, had to bring it on down past the... Don't show the trees again. I'll start crying. There we go. Okay. All right. Oops. We switched, I think. I want you to consider, as we're getting the PowerPoint, I want you to consider um, a man thirsty in the desert. Do we have a picture of him up there yet? It might come. Think about it. A man thirsty in the desert. He's been in there. How many have ever been in a, a real desert before? Anybody ever been there? Oh, my. I was out in... Needles, is it Needles, Arizona? I think that's where it's at someplace. Oh, my goodness. I know why they call it Needles. <laughs> Dry as can be. Imagine yourself being in the desert. Do you have that picture with the man there? I don't know which slide that is. It's on down. But I want you to consider. You'll go ahead. Next one. Is there a difference? Yes, there's a difference. 
For a thirsty person in the desert. There you go. For a thirsty person in the desert. Go to the next slide. Some things can never satisfy. Let me show you a few of these things. Just seeing a sign that says this way to water is not going to satisfy. Oh, now I know where the water's at. Oh, I feel so satisfied. No, it's not going to satisfy, is it? Just seeing a sign is not going to work. Here's another thing. Think about this. Looking at a picture of a glass of water, would that satisfy him? So you're there. Here's this thirsty man in the desert. He's desperate for water. And you're saying, hey, there's a sign right there. Isn't that awesome? You didn't know where it was, but now you know where it's at. Isn't that great? Don't you feel good about yourself? And he's there. And you say, well, well here, I have, I have a picture of a, of a glass of water. Doesn't that make you feel good? Look, look at this. Look at how beautiful it looks. And he's there. Next. Or maybe... You know, you want to tell about all your experiences of, wat- of drinking water. Oh, I remember back in 19, you know, 1955, I had a big glass of water. It was so good. And you can tell him all of your experiences. Is that going to satisfy him? I don't think so. He's probably getting ready to, with whatever strings left in him, he's ready to give it to you. Next one. Think about this. Maybe you could give him a teaching on water. H2O. Yeah, tell him what it's all about. To explain the five origins of water or, you know, the five elements or, you know, some kind of a wonderful four-step plan. That would make him feel good, wouldn't it? No, I bet he'd be real happy to hear that one. Next one. Now, I think the only thing that's going to satisfy, we'll end here. The only thing that's going to satisfy is getting that glass of water. Oh, yeah, there's the best thing. Just give him the water for goodness sake. <laughs> that's what he needs. I'd like us to sing that last song, if we could, just in closing. Can we all stand? Jesus said, if any man thirst. And I'd like to suggest to you today that maybe you didn't know, perhaps there was something to thirst for. I'm hoping that through God's word, something has stirred up an appetite. You want to try that. You want to try that out. Maybe thirst and hunger has kind of become dormant. I'd like to challenge you today to Stir yourself up to hunger. Stir it up. Stir up hunger. Hungering and thirsting is not just for souls that don't know Christ. No, we got to give them a drink of water. That's part of it. Thank God for someone who gave us a glass of water, right? Someone who brought us to Christ. Thank God for that. But there's so much more. How big is your cup? How big is your cup? Yes.
come. We want to drink of you, Lord. We want to eat of you, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Stir up thirst and hunger in our lives, Lord. Holy Spirit. That if we're thirsty, we can come to you and drink. Oh, we want to stir up more thirst, Lord. If there's something else in our cup that's taking up space, Lord, we want to take it out today, Lord. All that extra stuff, Lord. We want our cups to be filled with you. We want you to enlarge our cups, Lord. We thank you, Father, for stirring up thirst and hunger. Because you're doing wonderful things in this place, oh God. You're doing great things here, Lord. And, and as we hunger and thirst for you, Lord, you're going to bring others that really are in a desert, in the wrong direction. And Lord, our lives can be a light and a watch house for them. And they can be directed to come and drink of you also, Lord. Father, we thank you today, Lord, for doing that work in our lives. And we love you, Lord. I hope I've made you thirsty today. Let's all stand. Amen. Father, we just thank you today because, Jesus, you said that if we believe on you, like the scriptures say, out of our innermost being are going to begin to flow rivers of living water. Oh, God, there is an abundance, and we don't want to miss it, Lord. We know about it. We've heard about it, and we've studied it ourselves. We've sat and looked at it, and we've seen it in the sanctuary. But, Lord, we want to taste it that water. We want to really drink of that water, Lord. We don't want to be spectators, Lord. Stir us up. Get us out of our sofas, Lord, and bring us in to that promised land, Lord. Bring us in, Lord. Show us what needs to be done in our lives. Show us things that you can change in us. Show us, Lord, how you can work in us and your goal and your purpose for us. Lord Jesus, you said, if any man thirsts, he can come to you and drink. So we just come to you, Lord. Bring us by your spirit. Bring us. Let us thirst for you, Lord. We thank you, Father. Lord, bless the people today and all the the ministry that's taking place, the word of God, the Sunday school classes. Bless this place with hunger and more hunger. Let it be known as a house of bread, Lord, that you can bring people out of the famine of the world to this place, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.